0: Chapter 28. Advertising. The end is nigh. Advertising is another area where the digital walls are playing out ferociously. These centuries-old industries are being reshaped by the incessant battles as a combatant struggle for the attention of the consumer. As we move from physical billboards to digital ones, we may already have passed peak advertising and could be declining to be fast approaching the end of advertising, as we know it certainly. Conventional advertising is largely brand-led and is directed towards publishers of content who then sell placements of ads such as videos, advertorials, static ads, pop-ups, etc. Publishers earn the right to exist by creating content, which attracts an audience and could range from news sites and TV stations to magazines and newspapers, hence the yesteryear term of publisher. The trick to success was building the right content honeypot to drive traffic. The definition of victory in this industry has shifted constantly, from total circulation of newspapers and magazines to numbers of viewers on a TV show or listeners on radio. Obviously, these were guesses and estimates. We could not possibly know if readers, viewers or listeners were in fact reading, viewing or listening as we expected. The AC Nielsen organization even installed devices in homes to check which TV station the set was tuned to, but could not know how many or if any person was in fact watching. And then digital arrived. In the early days of the internet, we called these metrics, eyeballs, impressions, or even clicks and pages. We referred to this as engagement with consumers, even though it was largely one way, that is, consumption. Consuming news or movies was the key reason for users to be on that channel. That then created an entire industry, measuring all sorts of viewer or reader attendance to the content. We created several proxies to demonstrate value from pages viewed or AR audience ratings, and then priced this to create an industry that somehow managed to exist in the absence of hardcore demonstrated returns on marketing investment. We had no way of knowing whether the audience was present when the ad was aired, whether they saw it, enjoyed it, shared it, or even understood it. Most of the advertising industry was also geared to place random ads at random places and random times, leading to a complete lack of targeting. Or if it was present, then it was rather rudimentary. In a sense most advertising constituted brands yelling and screaming at an increasingly dazed and jaded audience in order to gather increasingly scarce attention. And so we saw a move to more radical or exotic ads and even locations. We referred to the space as inventory and we're constantly on the lookout for them. From urinals to boom gates and even on the outside of planes or high rise buildings, no real estate that was sacred. The flaws with this model are obvious. Lack of context targeting, real statistics, engagement, or even proof of success, all led to an increasingly consolidated advertising industry to the point where three firms dominate the space, which is clear evidence of the commoditization of the industry. And of course, in the pandemic, there's been a catastrophic collapse in the value of advertising. And therefore, we must expect to see a further rapid consolidation of this industry in the years ahead. This is worse in the FMCG industry the fast-moving consumer goods industry that houses several large brands where they have absolutely no clue about who is buying their products nor how they are used or what they think of them. So the marketing is bulk-based and averaged and aggregated to a large number of consumers in a single bucket. What worsens their dilemma is the fact that they need to keep this advertising engine on at full throttle all the time because this has been chosen as the primary weapon of war between brands. Getting share of mind Share of eye and share of space will get you share of wallet. That seems to be the mantra. Bear in mind that very few of these brands owned their own channels, relying instead on wholesalers and retailers who aggregated and merchandise a multitude of offerings. This means that these firms are completely removed from the sales process and are not even involved with the payment process. Phrased like this, one can see why the industry has placed the emphasis on creativity in campaigns to measure success rather than the effectiveness of campaigns. The key differentiator is the number of ponytails, earrings, tattoos or bright hair tints in the creative department. It was all about creativity and innovation in combining and communicating the marketing message. And of course, firms fell for this and vast sums of money were spent on customer acquisition and retention repetitively and baked into the annual budget. Now contrast that with what is happening in the digital world. The faggers of the world are in a unique position. Firstly, these digital giants have unique information on the identity of each user. This could be both demographic and behavioral. Also, they are publishers of content and have super engagement. They own the channel for both consumption and sales. And of course, they own all the inventory for advertising. The extent of this vertical integration is very little understood. Take a firm like Amazon. They've built up a large client base on e-commerce merchandising, so they know who you are and where you live, what you buy, and even your credit card details. They know what music you listen to and what movies you watch. They watch your search and browsing behavior and can build a solid recommendation engine on likely next purchase or even next content consumed. A firm like Facebook takes this a step further, gathering information on your network of contacts as well as on what you post, the latter being a powerful indicator of engagement which increasingly is a powerful driver of analytics. Netflix knows what you watched, paused, watched without completing, binge-watched, or repeat-watched, and what else of the same genre you enjoyed. Using this, they can craft content likely to create even higher levels of engagement in the future. But luckily, currently don't clutter your life with advertisements. Similar algorithms on YouTube are designed to ensure even higher levels of minutes of consumption, guaranteeing repeat visits and the viewing of ads. And thanks to likes and on shares, The platform gets more engagement as well as data on your preferences and, of course, your shares help to grow consumption even more until you become an influencer too, at which point they step in to enlist you in their sales efforts. Premium services are paid for and reflect the growing preference of consumers to be willing to pay to ensure that their data is not onsold and that they are not advertised to, hence Spotify and Netflix versus SoundCloud. Consider this. People are willing to pay not to be yelled at by brands. This is equivalent to saying that you are willing to pay more to stop us from talking to you. That's normal in a divorce agreement, but in sales, this demonstrates the level of unhappiness amongst clients. Some digital players will pay you to watch ads, giving you dollars, data, or even discounts in return for your attention. What is powerful in the digital world is the amazingly slick one-click-to-buy model. A promotion offered at the right time with a single click to purchase, as is done by Amazon, is well-nigh unbeatable. And of course, telcos are not far behind. I see that you're watching YouTube and ran out of data. Would you like to buy this upgrade bundle now? If so, just click buy. I see that you were trying to upload on Facebook when your contract expired. Here's an offer to upgrade your contract. If so, just click buy. I see that you're in the middle of a call and ran out of minutes. So here's a way to convert your data into minutes or vice versa. If so, just click buy. If you like the music ringtone of the person that you just called, then just press star to copy, and we will set it up for you too. It's a fee, of course. These event-based and seamless one-click actions that are highly steeped in context, the right product, at the exact right time, delivered to the exact correct position, are light years ahead of what conventional brands are able to do. That's like being able to say, I see you've dropped tomato sauce on your shirt. Here is a stain removal product. Buy it now. This is the power of building communities on your channel, where it's your inventory, your clients with informed data on preferences and the ability to send smart campaign mechanics with immediate payment and fulfillment. Feeling scared yet? You should be. These capabilities change the world for the better for consumers and conventional brands are so far behind that they should be petrified at what comes next. What happens is once a digital player has all of the above, they just keep adding products and services and sooner or later they will get to yours. Apple has my apps, card, music, movies, magazines, books, etc. Why not all the other services that I use too? Amazon similarly started with a single service line and now has dozens. The secret to all of this is the construction of large and engaged communities where individuals engage with the brand, channels, services, products, and each other. There's enormous trust with the mother brand. And importantly, the transactions and relevant offers are seamlessly made and accepted. The amazing quality of the service makes it easy to just add another to a single bull. Yes, a single bull. Imagine a single Unilever bull. And of course, the killer point is that the Fagas do not have to make a profit on every sale. They're looking at the lifetime value of the client and are spreading their already lean costs across a vast array of services. How can big brands survive? If big brands are not building communities, they will be extinct soon. Engagement and data are everything. Building smart products and services is a key part of data aggregation. And these businesses must start to move beyond the product, just like the pharmaceutical industry had to do. Creating hooks and platforms with loyalty schemes and partnerships, one needs to be able to build a total ecosystem in which the client can be immersed, no longer engaging with lone orphan products, or only engaging transitionally and transactionally, or reacting to a single ad. But where does this leave conventional advertising? Nowhere, actually. Only serving non-digital clients, as consumers block out all intrusive advertising. The industry will need to morph in order to survive. It will need to collect data on consumers and obtain consent to be marketed to while building reward engines and gathering behavioral and demographic data from a number of external sources while building huge analytic engines with campaign management tools that allow brands to continue to target ads on new channels with even more creative mechanics for acceptance and adoption. I'm not seeing a lot of this yet, but I know that the work is on behind the scenes. So there you have it. Adapt or die. Move from lean back to lean forward consumption. We lean back passively to watch TV, but lean forward actively when gaming or on a PC. Note that this is about advertising and not marketing. A profession whose use has morphed significantly, but whose extension level event has not yet arrived.